All right, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Catching Up with Chubbs. I'm your host, Colin Hubbard. We have my producer, Jake Cantrell, across the room. How we doing? And today, we have our first returning guest, the Kyle Sandy from Spielin' and Dealing. That's the type of energy I needed from your podcast, sir, and you brought it the final podcast, so I appreciate that. How are you doing today, sir? I am uh, I'm doing well. Season's over. The dust is starting to settle. Everything's all good. Got those state rankings out, which is always going to cause some some love and some hate. Uh, and now we got the all-state teams, which will be coming out soon, and I expect that to be even worse. So it's about time I need to jump on a, a cruise ship and get out of the, the country for a little while, but uh, I'm doing well. I'm, I survived the state playoffs, so uh, I can't complain. I'm very happy. No doubt. The state championships just concluded. I guess at the time people are listening to this, it will be about two weeks old, right, or one week? It was last Friday, so. Yeah, so you were just in Macon. You witnessed all of these state championship games. Man, what was your biggest takeaway from being in Macon and it being the COVID year and, um, you know, crowds not being as big? Yeah, well, it's it's great that we were able to have the state championships. And I think everything, for the most part, went off without a hitch. Everything was good. It felt like a normal year. Now, the crowds weren't robust or great. They're always about that, though, when you play the games in making. Like, the, right. the best crowd we had was definitely Class A public boys between uh, Towns County and Hancock Central. Hancock Central's pretty close to to Macon right there so they brought the whole city and then Towns County brought a lot of people as well but I thought all the games were great like this I feel like I've been doing this for what four or five years now something in that general vicinity Uh, I feel like this might have been the best year as far as games go we saw a lot of new faces new blood which always makes it interesting not the same old okay this team's back in it again and again and we did have some repeat teams but a lot of new faces getting in there that we haven't seen for a while. And I thought parody was really, really strong throughout the state and a couple classifications, really, really good. Uh, so that led to some new, new teams getting in there, but all the games are really good. There were a lot of games that felt very similar, like fourth quarter team doesn't score for six minutes or a team goes on a 10 run to close the game. Like I just felt like going over and over again, you know, you have these, the great Weebly stats, that they provide you it shows you like the runs and the last time a team scored so it's right there so you have all that information but it felt like every every couple games would be the same type deal a team just goes cold from the field and can't score in the fourth quarter and there's a great comeback and a great surge uh, that makes uh, a terrific game so a lot of games went down to the wire and uh, you know I was I was very happy to be there front row to be able to see how it all unfolded. What's the atmosphere like uh, as far as, like, the media goes with you sitting courtside? I mean, were, were the GHSA people nice to you? Uh, I mean, I know you're, you're big-time media, so, so maybe, maybe you get a little, you know, extra treatment that, that us newspaper guys don't get. But, like, I mean, what, what was the atmosphere as far as that goes? Was there a lot of media and stuff down there? Um, they were really strict with everything. You, of course, had to make sure you gave them a, a written – um a written email to send to mr figueroa to say hey i'm media i'm trying to get my credentials and everything and i was i was a little scared doing that because you know i'm you know it's it's tough i i run a blog but luckily i do help out on nfhs i go on halftime shows a lot and i i help with their coverage so that was probably how i kind of got my foot in the door because i did want to be pretty strict as far as online just blogs and stuff 
usually they're kind of hit or miss. I feel like you're being humble. I feel like you're you're like they know who you are. Like they, they gotta they let Kyle, Kyle Sandy, Sandy in, man. The storm that would come with not letting Kyle Sandy in the building. You're exactly right. I had my tweets saved up in my draft, so I was about to face <laughs> that place. We we're about to blow torch that place down, but right? <laughs> everything uh, everything went well. But um, as far as the media side goes, uh, you see, you know, it depends on who's at the game. Like the seven eight boys championship game, it was like completely empty on media row. Uh, we had David Friedlander there, of course, covering Berkmar for Gwinnett Daily Post, um, but and then maybe one or two other people. But it was like completely empty in seven A in Georgia high school basketball when it's nationally ranked teams and it's everyone is supposed to be there. The crowd was very thin and there was not a lot of media uh, there, so you had a lot of room to kind of get your elbow space and everything. But that was one takeaway I, I, I do think I had was. Just that, man, some of these big, big games that you would expect a lot of people to come creeping and crawling to, media row is pretty empty, especially in the 7-8 boys final. You mentioned a lot of crazy games, a lot of crazy comebacks. What was your favorite game? What do you feel like was the best game of the state championships? Jeez. Um, there were some good ones, like that Mount Pisgah game. That was that was a wild one. They finished on a 10-0 run to beat Holy Innocence. Kashim Grady gets a steal. And then goes down and hits a, a leaning jumper at the buzzer to win that game. A, a complete stunner there. Um, that was, I would say, that was probably, I think, the best game just with the dramatics. But even like a Josie game against Fannin County when they come surging back and they they hold them scoreless, hold Fannin scoreless for like six, seven minutes, and they close on like a seventeen to four run and stun Fannin County, who brought the entire city. And even the Baldwin game. Baldwin, of course, that's right down the road in Milledgeville, pretty much a home game for them. Them beating Fayette County with Will Freeman hitting a shot with about a second or two left. So there are a lot of great finishes, but I think that first one, that Mount Pisgah one, was really, really stunning, and I felt like that one really set the tone for the rest of the week. Man, Fannin blowing it for us mountain schools trying to represent it. That, that, that was frustrating. Yeah, yeah, they, they had great support. They had a great season, but once Josie flipped on that pressure – and they were getting after him, and they took away their airspace and got very aggressive and took a couple gambles on defense. Uh, they just were not able to get any shots on the basket there. And when you can't get any clean looks and the other team is just feeding off that momentum, it's it's hard to stop once it starts to snowball. Now, state championships are so difficult to win, no matter how good you are. There's no better proof in that than Sandy Creek, of all teams, not winning a state championship this year especially after beating Hart County the way that they did in the Final Four, I'm sure it was a 99% chance that they were going to win a state title. And yeah. they didn't. Cross Creek comes in there. Um, their girls win a state championship. Their boys win a state championship. Really impressive for that school in general. But for them to come in there and beat Sandy Creek, how big of an upset was that in your opinion? Yeah, that, that was a huge upset. And I know Cross Creek was a, a good team. But let's be honest, that is a monster upset, one of the bigger upsets we've seen in a long time. Like, you're looking at what Sandy Creek has done this year. I think they beat – gosh, I think they beat Milton. Uh, they beat Pace Academy. Pace has only lost this season. And so they beat two teams that are going to the Geico Nationals right off rip, and I don't even have to name the, all the other great teams they beat throughout the year. And what they did to Hart County, I was at that game. That, was, that wasn't even competitive, but – they weren't able to beat up Cross Creek in that that first 
quarter because that's what they were doing. They were curb stomping teams and then they coast. They they beat up Hart County 16-1 first quarter. They were up like 25 to 8 on Johnson the round previous. Uh, and no one could really fight their way back. I know Johnson made it a pretty competitive game, but Hart County couldn't. Uh, but how Cross Creek was able to come out, I think they surprised them with their their length and their outside shooting and their quickness. And they were not afraid whatsoever. And they were just able to push Jabari Smith out to the perimeter. And Jabari Smith's a great player and a great shooter. But at six foot ten, he he had to get more inside the paint. He was setting for turnaround jumpers and outside shots, and that kind of played into the hands of Cross Creek because he did finish seven of twenty-five, and he just was not able to get any help from anyone else. Vic Newsom had a good game. I think he had about ten points, but other than that, he just was not getting help from anyone. And I think. Jabari only had maybe, if I'm not mistaken, one point in the fourth quarter. Uh, so you got to give all the credit to Cross Creek. They broke that Sandy Creek pressure. Richard Visitation did a great job, 11 points, seven assists. And then Corey Trotter, 10 points, 10 rebounds. And, um, you know, Josh Dorsey, he did a fantastic job defensively on Miles Rice, really shut him down. And then Antoine uh, Lord, he did a, uh, an, uh, a fantastic job on Jabari Smith as a 6'5 sophomore. So kudos to all those guys executed their game plan and it was just it was crazy to watch and i guess it's extra tough for sandy creek that well their top two or three players are, are all graduating so do you expect them to be um back in the mix next year or do you feel like they're going to fall off with all the guys they're losing they'll be in the mix they'll be in the mix because they are in that that classification where what three a it's Three, you don't typically have these juggernaut schools that are going to bring in all these transfers. And now Sandy Creek has benefited from the transfer here and there. And I think they'll probably land someone maybe in the offseason. But you do have Micah Smith, who's a six seven freshman. Vic Newsom, who was a really good guard that was only a sophomore this year. Um, they, they do have some pieces that will be back. And I feel like someone probably will slide in over there. Um, but, yeah, if – you can't win a state title with that roster. That is a tough pill to swallow. I know Coach John Michael Nickerson, he was absolutely beside himself and just absolutely sick, not only for himself, but for all those kids. Everyone, Miles Rice, was just heartbroken after the game. Um, but I don't think – Sandy Creek's not going to be at the level they were this year, obviously, but I think they're they're going to be in the mix. They should probably be a top-10 team again next year and have a chance to take a deep run. And, I mean, you just said, you know, hopefully they'll land someone. And, and I mean, not to derail us too much, but, I mean, this this almost free agency, we, we know you hate that. I mean, do you, do you want to just, like, give a second on, on, on that? I mean, the whole idea of just people landing all these transfers and stuff at the high school. Thing, it seems I, like I it's see just it. getting bigger and bigger yeah. every year. Um. Yeah, that's a, that's definitely a pandemic. I know we got COVID, but uh, transfers is a, a big pandemic in the state as well. And that's one of the first things I started to track on sandyspill.com was the transfer list. And you'd get 70, 80, over 100 transfers um, on the boys' side and girls' side. That's been matriculating more and more as well. But I always say state championships nowadays, it feels like they're won and lost in the off season with kids transferring and moving in. And sometimes it is a matter of, programs building it the right way and then kids and you know a lot of times it's parents parents are the ones making the decisions let's be honest kids are 16 15 17 years old they're not the ones buying the apartment or buying the house it's the parents and a lot a lot of times when you build a program that will attract people and it's a natural thing you don't want to see like five five star guys moving in because that's usually not that natural um 
but it isn't crazy to think that a team has a good run and then some kids want to, hey, I want to be a part of that. Okay, okay. But there's some schools that have been doing it for like 20 years that it's not just some six man coming from another school. It's kids that are going on YouTube and saying, I am committing to so-and-so high school and going there. And it's five-star guy. It's never a guy that's like, oh, I don't know who this kid is. It's a kid that's coming in with stars next to his name. And that is where it gets very shady. And you can look at my transfer list where you got, oh, the same schools have five, four or five guys coming in every time. And like I said, it's not like, who is this kid? It's, oh, this kid's coming in with DePaul and Northwestern offers and like stuff like that. So it is what it is. I don't know if it's ever going to be stopped because if you move in and it's you're in the district, like what it can the GHSA enforce if your parents want to move in the district and make it happen? They can make it happen, but it is a little challenging, especially at the higher levels. Um, you know, you see, like, we had one team in the state championship, and I'm just looking at the roster on the five kids on the floor. I see two kids from South Gwinnett. I see a kid from Decatur on the floor. I see a kid from Pebblebrook on the floor, and I see a kid from North Cobb on the floor. But those schools, they're not winning that state championship. It's another school that's winning that state championship. But they got five kids on the floor, and none of those kids were there as freshmen. So it's like, okay, yeah, that's – that's interesting how that really plays out. Yeah, I mean, like you said, when when kids actually move into the district, that's one thing. But yeah. you're always gonna have those shady, you know, is, this kid's not in the district. He's living with a a distant relative, and he's not actually there, you know, sleeping there at night, and that. So that I've I've experienced that myself, and it's 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 definitely kind of shady. But you know, can it's just a matter of can you prove it or not? So it's a it's a slippery road, but it was you know. I guess kids are willing to take the risk and and for the most part it seems like it pays off i guess a few kids get popped here and there and it kind of messes up their season but that's just kind of the risk you take by doing that yeah and that, hey we see so many transfers in the transfer portal as far as ncaa goes so it's all instant gratification or a better spot and a better fit and you know it comes as no surprise we see kids that transfer like three four times in high school and then they transfer three four times in college as well it's just that's all they know is just go, go, go. If you don't, if you're not 1,010% happy, jump ship and go somewhere else. So it's, it's at all levels nowadays. You feel like social media just plays a huge role in that. Like it maybe if social media wasn't nearly as big, we wouldn't see all this, in, you know, wanting this instant gratification because there would be nowhere to go to get all this instant gratification. Yeah, that's a good point. I think it does have to play some sort of a role because I see, you know, all the kids on overtime, they're all sitting at, Scoot Henderson's game or some five-star kid's game and like, oh, I want to go play with him. And, you know, I might get on that that mixtape video with him and have college coaches there and everything. So, I, I mean, I understand on both sides you want to be at a place where you can be seen. But I always think if you're good enough, like the coaches will find you wherever you're at. And, you know, with me covering the state, with others covering the state, there's not too many creeks and crevices that are left um, – Un, unseen you know we flip over as many stones as possible to help find these kids so in that aspect I feel like you don't necessarily have to go to all these juggernaut schools in 7a and 6a you could still be a really good player in 3a or 2a and find yourself playing division one or division two basketball at the next level no doubt about that so you briefly mentioned the 7a game with the, the atmosphere and the crowd not being quite quite what you would expect for Milton Berkmar Milton is the you know front runner all season long Everybody had picked them to win preseason, and they get the job done. It was a very close game against Berkmar. Berkmar gave them a, a great test. 
But in the end, Milton was able to pull it out. So what was kind of your biggest takeaway from how 7A wrapped up this year? Berkmar was in a good spot. They're up 41-34, minute 13 left, I want to say, in the third quarter, really late in that third quarter. And that was our largest lead of the game. You're, you're up you're up seven. You're feeling good. But I think they closed the quarter 43-38, something like that, still on top. But just like I mentioned, in so many of these games, it felt like it was a reoccurring theme. Team in front just goes scoreless. Berkmar didn't score for almost six minutes. And Milton just slowly started getting back in the game. Kane and Carlisle hitting shots. LT Overton. Those two guys, the two sophomores, they combined for all of Milton's points in the fourth quarter. So it was it was the two sophomores that got the job done. And Kane and I know he went like eight of ten from the foul line to ice that game out. And Overton did very well inside, nearly got a double double battling against Malik Ewing. But seven A, it's 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 always crazy. Crazy things happen, and we almost saw Berkmar shock Milton. But it's the toughest thing to do to win a Class Seven A state title on the boys' side, definitely. Um, and we saw a good team like Grayson. They got beat in that second round against McEachin, and sometimes that's just how the bracket lays out. You got some legit state title contenders erased early on, and it, it you know it is what it is. But we knew heading into this state tournament that there's a good chunk of really good teams, and you know you got to tip your cap to Milton because they beat some of the best of the best. They beat Berkmar, they beat Pebblebrook, they beat who they had to beat. And it's not easy to do that when you have such a great big target on your back. Yeah, when you look at that Final Four, Milton, Berkmar, Pebblebrook, and McEachern, outside of maybe Grayson having to play McEachern pretty early on, do you feel like it was a pretty fair bracket and gave everybody a pretty fair chance to, to win a state title? Yeah, when you when you look at it, like compared to my state rankings and how they kind of were trending the entire time, like those are, what, four out of the top five teams that we've had ranked in right. the top five all year long. So. Other than Grayson getting beat, we knew someone was going to have to get knocked off eventually, but no huge surprises as far as that goes. Uh, all those teams were really, really good, and they were all worthy of being in the Final Four. No doubt. So looking at 6A, 6A, you know, for the past few years has always been crazy. There's always been 10 or 12 teams that could, you know, have a legit run in the playoffs and at least get to a state championship game or a Final Four. Wheeler ends up getting the job done this year, right? They moved down to 6A this year, right? They were in 7A, won a 7A title last year. Go up against Kell, beat them by 10. What was your biggest takeaway from uh, 6A? And, you know, there's a lot of teams, like I said, that had a chance there, but in the end, looked like the top dog got the job done. Yeah, a lot of of really good teams, like you said, like super competitive. But even after Kell beat, Wheeler in that region six title game, 78, 71 and double overtime. I was like, uh, I don't think it's going to be easy for these two teams to have a round four matchup, but that's what I picked. I said, I think these two teams are going to hook up for another game in the state title. And that's what happened. Wheeler, they had a little bit easier of a road. I mean, they were not as far as playing bad teams, but they were just handling their business more. Um, Centennial gave them a really good fight. Richmond Hill, Kept it somewhat close at the end of the game. You know, they won 61-47, I want to say. But they were in control that whole time. And, Kel, they had some scares. I mean, what, they beat River Ridge in the first round by two, beat Shiloh by less than 10 points, beat Lee County, who was a underdog in the final four, beat them by, what, 60-55, to 55, I want to say. Um, but having these two teams play – in the state championship, not much of a surprise. And for Wheeler to win, not much of a surprise. They just, you know, have, they have a loaded roster. They have so much size, and Kel struggles against size sometimes. And Jaheim Hudson just 
his physicality and his shot blocking and rebounding, he he has been the anchor for these two state title teams for Wheeler. I don't care what anyone says. I know Isaiah Collier is a five-star guard and Caleb Washington's like a four-star, you know, six-eight wing going to Dayton that transferred in this year. And they have all this great talent. And even Sam Hines last year, who was just phenomenal against Grayson. But Jaheim Hudson has been that anchor for the past two years, and he's going to Florida Gulf Coast now. But that was a guy that just was different from everyone else because he could do it all. Like defensively, he was so good. And when Kel beat Wheeler in that that region championship, that was because Jaheim Hudson went on the bench, and then Scoot got going, and I think it was the third quarter, and then we had a ball game. But if Jaheim Hudson's not in foul trouble, maybe – Wheeler beats Kell all four times, but just his physicality, his great defensive play, and his ability to even score in the paint. He's such a dynamic player. I think he could be an all-conference player at the next level. Uh, but no real surprise for Wheeler to win. Uh, they were built for it. They brought in some more pieces, and they repeat as state champs. What can you say about the level of, of senior play throughout the whole classification of 6A? A lot of great seniors that will be playing at the next level uh, I got to give a shout out to my guys James White and RJ Norda Heritage. They never really could put it together this season, which was a which was a disappointment. They get knocked out by Westlake in the second round, but you know stars on Kel, Scoot, uh, what AJ White, Chattahoochee, a lot of great players in this classification. Yeah, hundred percent. Like I'm just pulling up my all state teams right now. I see one, two three, like four guys on the first team that are seniors, four guys on the second team that are seniors. And then you go through, you go through the honorable mention where we have 11 kids. There's probably like eight of them that are seniors. So it is, it is super, super heavy as far as um, great talented players. And that makes it tough. Cause these, like I said, these, these uh, all state teams will be releasing soon and it's tough. There's going to be some really good players that are getting left off the list. And that just it, – it, it's challenging because you want to honor all these guys, um, but there's so many good players. Someone's going to get the squeeze out, and sometimes you got to look at, well, how valuable was this kid to his team or was he on a team that won a lot of games or maybe it was more spread out scoring. And, you know, it's tough to give an all-state nod to a kid that's averaging 10 points and five rebounds. But then at the other side, like, well, they did win 23 games and he was the best player on a, a good team. So – it's a lot of juggling. I keep going back and forth in my head as far as who I want to put on there. Um, there's going to be, I feel like looking at it right now, there's probably going to be some surprising names and there might be some surefire D1 kids that might not make the cut this year, but that's just how challenging it is. Just juggling stats versus value versus what the team did versus did he have any help on that team? So it's very challenging, but there's a lot of good players on this Class 6A All-State team, I can tell you that much. And just because they don't make your list doesn't mean they're not a great player. Let's get, oh, that, no. let's get that straightened out for any players <laughs> yeah. listening to this because this is going to come out after these these are released by you. So, you know, keep your eye on the bigger picture, guys. I mean, you're going to the D1 level for most of these guys. Um, they got bigger things ahead of them, so who cares – where Kyle Sandy ranked you at the end of the day. Don't I mean don't let that that bog you down. Yeah, it's and it's a it's a great honor if you make this list because like I said, it's just it's just so it's so robust. It's so crazy how good this is. And 
I mean, I, I'm just looking at it right now. I'm like, oh my gosh, do I need to switch this kid with another kid? It's, <laughs> it's just ridiculous because you don't want to just base it all on, I don't want to call it hype, but I don't want to just base it on, okay, this kid's got X amount of stars next to his name, so he's automatically better than this other kid. Like right. that other kid had a hell of a year and led this team to a really good season when no one thought they could be that good and stuff like that. So gosh, I, I need to take some more Tums and make sure I don't get any heartburn when I'm doing this because it is it is very challenging. Well, it's just like Moses Wright winning the ACC Player of the Year for Georgia Tech. I don't think anybody thinks he's the best player in the ACC, but he had the best season in the ACC, so that's why he won the award. Yeah, very well put, very well put. There's a lot of cases like that in Classic say. So we briefly mentioned Cross Creek winning it on both sides, girls and boys. I'll let Jake kind of take the, the, oh, the reins on 3A girls. He covers yeah, Lump- he covers Lumpkin go. County and, and they and I was in the building and they lost to Heartbreaker to the eventual state champs. It's tough, especially when you see Cross Creek go on to win the state title. You think, man, that that could have been us if we had got past them. I would have liked Lumpkin's chances against GAC, but um, Jake, man, uh, have you is it still running through your head when you when you lay your head down to go to sleep at night, or have you gotten over it yet? I mean, I, I've I've gotten over it. I mean, at the end of the day, like, yeah, it, it was sad for me, and and that was the weird takeaway from it. it was like, I was I was sad. I was devastated whenever that happened, and and I think many of the people in the building were. And and let me just tell you, there were a ton of people in the building. COVID no doubt about that. does not exist in Lumpkin as far as they're concerned. But uh, uh but I, I just felt for you know the kids. I mean. Uh, I mean, if you would have just, Kyle, if you would have just saw Isabel Davenport's face when she comes out of the locker room, I mean, after, you know, 20 minutes of that, and you just see her face knowing that was my last game as a high schooler, like, oh, man, and and having done everything she could do and everything, and, I mean, both of those seniors, I just felt so bad for them that, like, yeah, I mean, it doesn't necessarily bother me anymore, but just the fact that I'm not going to be able to see them play basketball, uh, like wearing Lumpkin purple, like, I mean, yeah, that's that's pretty sad for me, but I don't know. I mean... That's just how the ball falls sometimes. <laughs> yeah, it, it was crazy. I mean, you can't take anything away from either team, you know? That, that was just a heck of a game, so... Yeah, Kyle, what was going through your mind when you saw how all that unfolded? Yeah, and I was, I was listening to the game because uh, the stream conked out, of course, in like the last minute of the game. <laughs> yeah. I was sitting in the parking lot at Sandy Creek when it happened, and I listened to the game, and you know, I, you know, I, was, I didn't really understand what was going on. I was hearing, foul, 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 and, <laughs> and they make the layup and win. So I didn't really know what was going on. But, you know, you have to be lucky to win a state title. And I'm not saying that's lucky that Cross Creek won that game, but – there are bounces here and there. Like that could have potentially possibly been a foul call. Like they might've been fortunate that Lumpkin County didn't wrap the girl up at half court when she made that pass. Sometimes that you have to have a little bit of luck on your side and cross Creek was a really good team all year long. And, you know, then that comes back to like looking at the state rankings, you know, Lumpkin County wants to be ranked number two, but I, I understand that, but I can't go based off of what ifs. Like, the bracket played out how the bracket played out. Yes, Lumpkin County was really good, and they played um, they played Cross Creek closer than GAC did. But it's not like GAC got blown out by 25 points or 30 points. Where then it's like, okay, yeah, for sure, you definitely have a good opportunity to be here. Like, GAC was right there, and they couldn't score in the fourth quarter, much like all these other games we've been talking about. They went scoreless for six minutes. But it wasn't like a blowout game by any means. And then it gets, it gets challenging when you do that because, like, 
Look at Sonoraville. Sonoraville was beating Cross Creek until they kind of crapped the bed in the fourth quarter. They got outscored, I don't know, like 16 to five in the fourth quarter. Do I rank Sonoraville ahead of so-and-so? Because, well, they were up the whole time. Lumpkin County was kind of back and forth and down two points and up two points. But Sonoraville was up, you know, close to maybe 10 points or so going into that fourth quarter. So it gets really challenging, especially in class 3A when everybody is so even and so good and and you want to reward people because if you got that deep into the state playoffs, you beat good teams in the class 3A state, you know, playoffs. And looking at my brackets when I picked the teams, you know, I only got two games wrong and that was really challenging um, to do that. But there were all really good teams uh, that made it that far. Um, so I, I understand why they, they want to be too, but like GAC was playing their best basketball of the season too. And I think they probably still would have won, but even like that, that Westminster game against Lumpkin, there is an asterisk next to that, that, that game. Right. Courtney Ogden did not play. That's a five-star guard that averages 20 points and 10 rebounds. She did not play. And Westminster hung around in that first half until they, they couldn't score anymore because they didn't have their superstar player. And Westminster only lost maybe two games this year. They were a really good team. And you got to look at that. You got to take everything into the whole picture. And I said, I don't want to play what if games because what if I play that what if game with Westminster? What if they were at full strength when they played Lumpkin County? That could have been a different result. And that goes back to sometimes you have to have a little bit of luck on your side. Did have a little bit of luck as far as Courtney Ogden not playing that game. And then maybe it didn't go their way as far as them not being able to get that foul at half court. But either way, Lumpkin County had a fantastic season they're going to be back again next year they're going to be really really good they're not they're not going anywhere they're going to be really good with you know kate coming back from injury um avery jones like they're going to be right there again with lexi pierce they're, they're not going anywhere anytime soon um so it was unfortunate how the game ended on that last second layup but a great a great season but i don't want to take away from what gac did because gac did beat undefeated upsonly in the final four they did beat good teams throughout they did smash gilmer who was able to play close games with lumpkin county so it gets really tough you're splitting hairs as far as things go and sometimes i think this year i, I think i put all the teams that lost i think they all got second place in the state rankings because you know it, it it would take a lot for that not to be the case it had to be like a complete cinderella team or they played nobody to get to the state title but in class three way too difficult to not reward GAC for a second place finish. And I think you're doing it right because, I mean, if this were, you know, a professional league or some other league, then then Lumpkin would have played in a third place game. And if they win that, then they would be third place. They don't they don't jump over, you know, whoever lost in the championship in that. So, I mean, I, I think that's a fair way to look at it. I mean, I don't know. If, I mean, if, if you want to and, – and I know you can't really say this or whatever, but if, if you want to complain about – the rankings after the season i guess you should have just won your games you know that's how yeah, i feel about that's it why, yeah that's like i don't i don't reply back to anything because it's just like just i i understand you want to fight for a spot here or there but the, the the state tournament played out how the state tournament played out and again in class three it was so so equal like ups and lee they they could have a gripe for hey why aren't we ranked number three in the state we only lost one game so it it is what it is. A lot of really good teams, and it was a, uh, it was tough uh, deciphering everything. But Lumpkin County had a great year, and they're they're going to be back. They're going to have another chance to make a Final Four in a state championship. Is is that rare to see a team, you know, or a school rather, win on both sides of the bracket, the boys and girls? Like, I mean, take 
platform, you know, hey, we own, like, I mean, Cross Creek can say, you know, as far as 3A goes, like, basketball runs through us right now, you know? Like, we're the kings, kings and queens. Yeah. I mean, like, is, is that a rare thing? Does that happen all the time? It happens sometimes. I can't remember off the top of my head, but I know it's happening at least once or twice in the past three, four years. So it does happen as far as teams sweeping. Um, uh, I think did Carver, did the Carver boys and girls possibly do it? I think Carver boys, I think they beat America Sumter in the finals. And I think Carver girls might've won the same year, which would be like two years ago or so. But if not, it, it's definitely happened recently, and it, it's surprising. I mean, on Cross Creek on the girls' side, Cross Creek was good. Like, they beat North Augusta, who's a powerhouse that wins state titles all the time in South Carolina early on in the season. They split with them, but, like, they, Cross Creek was good. And it was surprising seeing them only play five players. And they yeah. were only going to play five players until Aaron Martin fouled out with two minutes left in the well, game. It was just like Lumpkin County. That game, I don't think I saw any subs that whole game. It was insane. Yeah, that, it, it, it is wild. But, like, Jordan Dorsey – I, I wrote it in my preseason state rankings. I said, Cross Creek has a chance to win a state title on a similar America Sumter type run that we saw last year with Jaleesa Reese, who went to Troy, and she was just one stud in you know, a rural-type area outside of the metro Atlanta, and she just carried that team to victory. I said, Jordan Dorsey is talented enough. She might be able to do that exact same thing what America Sumter did, and she was able to do that exact same thing, finishing with 30 points in the state championship game. Yeah, she was incredible in the Lumpkin County game. I mean, it seemed like anytime Cross Creek needed a basket there, there down the stretch, she was there and she hit the shot. So I, I have to concur with you. She's a really, really good player. So I'm excited to see where her, her future takes her. But I want to briefly mention 6A girls – Westlake was the, the dominant favor to win 6A, and, of course, they got the job done. No surprise there whatsoever. Carrollton is the team that they end up beating in the state title game. Carrollton, really, really good year. Um, it's just unfortunate that they had to play Westlake there in the state championship because if they're playing anybody else, it's it would be I guess it would be hard to bet against them. Yeah, and they were they were right there. They were they were down four points, and then their leading scorer at the time separates her shoulder and doesn't come back, and they get outscored wow. like twenty to like twenty to six or something like that after she gets hurt. And so you look at the score like, oh, Westlake won by eighteen. They blew out Carrollton. They were only up four points with about a minute left in the third quarter. This game. Now, of course, I still think Westlake was going to win because they were starting to get a little bit more momentum, but this could have been a, a four- to eight-point game. Uh, the 18-point finish, is, that's not indicative of how that game was being played because Carrollton was playing right there with them. And Damari Flournoy, she struggled with her offense at the beginning, but she started to get hot going on. And if you still had Kande Abusoy, who was the one that got hurt, if she was still there and then Damari started to feel good and was getting hot with her outside shot, we could have been in for something special, but again, sometimes you have to have a little bit of luck on your side or just be, you know, fortunate, I guess. You don't want anyone to get hurt, but that was something that played out and it played out positively for Westlake and Westlake wins, what, 98 straight games in the state of Georgia against GHSA opponents and four peats. So the rest is history. They got the job done. If you had to, if you had to give a, a team in 6A credit for getting farther than maybe some people thought, would it be Lovejoy? getting there to the final four yeah i think so like you would think maybe on the top right hand side like river ridge what's river ridge doing there river ridge that was river ridge was a good team river ridge was a very good team but that top right hand side was blah yeah it was, it was not, not good it was, it was definitely the weakest quadrant by far yeah. yeah and then they get beat by 38 by westlake and that's when i'm looking at my rankings i think 
you know, the, even though they made it to the Final Four, River Ridge finishes six because I'm not putting them ahead of Kale. I'm not putting them ahead of Buford. But yes, Lovejoy beating Buford that was that was very surprising. And I just heard, you know, Buford just could not hit their outside shots, and it was just a random off night. And Lovejoy was good enough, and they handled pressure, and they were able to score when needed. Um, but yeah, that was. That was very eye-opening, considering how Lovejoy was in front by double digits much of that game. Uh, but that would be probably the biggest surprise because I think everyone wanted to pencil in Buford versus Westlake. Buford versus Westlake. I was penciling in Carrollton versus Westlake, but I did feel a little scared here or there early on in the rounds. I was like, oh, I hear Carrollton's defense isn't turning over these teams quite as much as you would like. But just like in Class 3A. I was fortunate. I only got two games wrong when I picked all those games in the Class 6A girls side. And Carrollton and Westlake was my state championship pick. But the one one of the few games I did get wrong, I did get Rockdale losing to Langston. I got that one wrong. And then I did get Buford beating Lovejoy. Uh, I got that one wrong. Man, I would have loved to have seen Rockdale in Grovetown's spot on that top right quadrant. I think it would easily would have been River Ridge versus Rockdale. And I think that would have been one heck of a game, River Ridge versus Rockdale. Yeah, really good young guards in that game at Carnegie. And then uh, River Ridge has Matea Gale, who people will start to know about more and more and more. That would have been a real coin flip game. That would have went down to the wire, I feel like. And then whoever won that was going to get obliterated by Westlake. (laughs) (laughs) Most likely. Most likely, yes. But, yeah, one last shout-out to my Rockdale girls. They'll be back, just like much like Lumpkin. They've got a lot of talent coming back, so – They'll be uh, Coach Terlio have them geared up for next season. But you know, as far as the other classifications that maybe don't get a whole lot of attention, um, you know, like Pace Academy, what wins twenty eight straight games after losing the the season opener to Sandy Creek and wins a state title. But they're a Geico national team as well, right? Um, yeah. what, what can you say about Pace? And do you feel like they don't get enough credit for what they've been able to do the past couple of years with them being a lower classification and not being you know a six seven eight? I think most people respect what they do. You know, you got Sherman White on the sidelines. Great coach. Great coach. Instantly going to garner respect nationally, not just statewide. No doubt. Um, but when we saw them drop down to two way, it was like, oh my god, why, why are we even playing? They're gonna like, they're gonna smash everyone. And for Columbia to just really just get absolutely annihilated, seventy three to forty two, when they lost by only a round like 11 points or so when they played them earlier in the season, like that third quarter. And that's what I talked about when I previewed this game. Pace was playing everyone outside of the first round. It was like a one-point game or two-point game, a one-possession game or tied at halftime the next three rounds. And I said, well, I think Columbia, they're going to have to be up like 10 or 12 points at the half to feel confident about that game going down to the wire. They were down about 10 points, and then they get outscored. 34 to seven, something like that in the third quarter and the rest is history. But Pace Academy is a, a really good team. Interested to see what they look like next year, what they look like next year. I know Josh Reed will be back and he's a, a burgeoning star over there. Um, but I think by no means everyone knows Pace Academy is really good. And it's just like the, you, you kind of have to judge Pace Academy what they do in the non-region schedule because right. especially in two-way, like we knew they're gonna they're gonna kill everyone in two-way. But what they were able to do in the non-region, they didn't play an elite elite schedule, but they did play a really good schedule. Uh, they did beat Grayson, I want to say. So they did see some of the top dogs and held their own. And like you said, they only lost 63 to 59 uh, versus Sandy Creek to open the year, and then after that they clicked it in the gear. So 
Pace Academy, a really good team. Interested to see what they do in Geico. I know they're, you know, a lot of these teams that I think they're playing Oak Hill Academy in the first round. And when you think of Oak Hill and you think of these teams, like when they talk about the Geico Nationals, it really kind of bastardizes things because they're not playing high school teams. Like, okay, that's not a high school team. Montverde's not a high school. Those are legit like prep schools. They're picking all these kids. Like you're not living in the Mount Verde school district and then you're going to school there. That's not happening. They're handpicking kids from all over the nation. So right. for Georgia to send actual high school teams in there and then they compete at a very high level. I think Miller Grove, when Charmin had them years ago without Tariq Gilbert, I think they, they beat Oak Hill or they beat someone they weren't supposed to beat and then they lost by a, a really close game in the next round. Like these teams on paper, I mean, maybe Pace and maybe Milton, like maybe they shouldn't be able to compete with the the number one and number two seed, whoever that is in the tournament. But the coaching is so much better, I feel like, here. Because when you got all these five-star and six-star, you know, not six-star, but five-star guys, and you're just loaded with talent at these prep schools, like half the time they're rolling the ball out. I'm sorry, I hate to say it, but when you have so much talent, you got like Ben Simmons on the team back then at Mount Verde. Like, you're going to win all these games. But when you come against a team from Georgia that is battle-tested against really good coaches and great teams, they're not going to be afraid. Like they might not win, but I don't see any of these Georgia teams getting eliminated by 30 points and getting blown out by these teams that have like five, five star guys. It's not going to happen. These Georgia teams, they have something to prove and they're going to go in there and they're going to, they're going to, they're going to cause a havoc. I think in the Geico nationals. Yeah. We play defense here in Georgia. Exactly. <laughs> Everyone else. No, it's just, they're playing for the mixtape and it's just, they, they just feel like I'm a five-star bow down to me. That's not going to happen in Georgia. No. It is so hard to even make it to Geico. Cause that means you had to win a state title in Georgia. Georgia is going to give them hell. I feel like. Yeah. You look at like the old, what LaMelo ball and, and Lonzo ball team, mm-hmm. they're scoring like 150 points a game and they're only <laughs> winning like 148 to 142 because nobody's yeah, playing defense. Yeah. They're just running. They're just throwing yeah. full court lobs the whole game. You don't see that in Georgia. These we, we play no. defense here. <laughs> and I feel like Wheeler could even be good enough to make it this year, just with how good they are defensively. Like Wheeler, like we could have threw them into the mix as a team that could compete with those. I know even having two teams making it into the Geico from the same state that are public schools, um, private school as far as pace goes, but that's pretty impressive right there. And I think... I mean, you put the best of the best from Georgia against the best of the best from these other states. I think we compete at a high level. And again, like Montverde and all those schools, those are not real high schools whatsoever. Those are not high schools. No. So you, you you put us our real high schools against other states' real high schools, I think we're going to win the vast majority of the times. No doubt. Looking at 7A girls, were you pretty surprised that you don't end up seeing, what, McEachern or Collins Hill in the final? Yeah, I mean, shoot, that's the first time in the highest classification since 2009 we did not have either Norcross, Westlake, or McEachern winning a state title. And we talked about the new blood. That was the new blood. Marietta had not won a title since 1951. Uh, Woodstock had never been there before. Uh, But, you know, I was going back and forth. Like, going into the season, I said McEachern and Collins Hill head and shoulders above the rest of the classification. Then you fast forward a month and a half in, I'm like, I'm not sure. We might see some parity because Collins Hill, they they beat McEachern by one point early in the year. And then, you know, you're feeling like, okay, these are two top dogs. But then you see teams like Woodstock and Marietta. They were playing those two teams, and they were playing them really close, and there were some close games. It wasn't Collins Hill and McEachern beating everybody by 20 points in the state. 
So then I was like, okay, we, we have some parity here. But then once everything kind of sorted out, I was like, okay, I, I think there is parity, but I still feel like those are the two teams. Like that's a state title game, McEachern and Collins Hill. And McEachern, they get 34 points from Jill Hollingshed, and they, they beat Collins Hill. But then, okay, it's the final four. It's a COVID year. We're not playing at a neutral site. Now you have to go play at Marietta, your sworn dead rival enemy at Marietta in the final four. It's going to be a crazy atmosphere. And Jill Hollingshed fouls out early. I think it was early in the fourth quarter. And Chloe Sterling goes crazy for 33 points. And Marietta is right there playing for a state title. And again, if you look at the stuff, like Marietta was a, they were a good team and they lost close games to Collins Hill and, uh, I think I think they might have played Collins Hill, but I know for sure they lost a close game to uh, McEachern early in the year. So you knew you could they could play at that high level, and you could say the same about Woodstock. But Woodstock was unranked coming into things, and Woodstock was ranked, I want to say, number three for a few weeks early in the season. But then they hit a COVID pause. They couldn't practice for a long time. They came back. They got beat by 30 by Kell. They got blown out by uh, Cherokee two times. And I was just looking at um, what they did during the state championship before that out of their eight losses for Woodstock, six of them were, were by 15 points or more that you don't, you don't really hear that, especially at seven, a, you think it's like juggernaut teams. Like they got blown out a lot this year, but they were on the right side of the bracket, which laid up really nicely for them. They beat Brookwood in the final four and then they were right there and they had had some really good results early on in the year. Um, but you know, after they got beat twice badly by Cherokee, I was like, I don't really know. But at this time of year, you know, you throw everything out the window. Bridget Upberg, Bridget Utberg was playing out of her mind. a fantastic guard, and she nearly carried them to victory. But it was a great game uh, between Woodstock and uh, Marietta. So surprising to see those two teams there. But if you look at their overall record and, like, the wins and the close games they had throughout the year, it's not it's not ridiculously crazy to, to see those two teams hooking up in the finals. What do you feel like was the biggest disappointment team this year? Was it Luella on the girls' side, who you had pretty much ranked number one a vast majority of the season, and they get upset in the first round? Now, granted, Cedar Shoals, who beat them, made it all the way to the final four. So it seemed yeah, like yeah. Cedar Shoals was a – I mean, they what, Cedar Shoals was a four seed and made it all the way to the final four, beat Luella. Um you know, how, how surprising was that to see Luella go down in the first round? Yeah, I guess the biggest disappointment. I'm, I'm going uh, East Jackson with David Boyd not getting over the hump. I'm throwing it back for you. <laughs> no, 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 no. We'll let, we'll let sleeping dogs lie. Uh, looking at their rankings like that. Yeah, I would have. <laughs> hey, he's been blocked on Twitter for a long time, so I don't have to hear about it. I know it. Um, but Luella on paper, like, yeah, Luella was good. And I just looked at their – their record and their wins and they didn't play like super incredible teams, but they did have some good wins. And I did see them beat Griffin by 20 points and Griffin. Well, I think they ended up making it to the final four before they got beat by Woodward Academy. So Luella was really good. And yeah, that was, that was definitely stunning. That was the biggest upset. You're right. As far as them losing Cedar Shoals, but Cedar Shoals, they came from a strong region. I think it was region eight, but like Jefferson and flowery branch and, Chester T was in there. Um, one other team that I know is escaping my head that that made it to the next round, I think, because that, that entire region, they got swept away. Um, and that was crazy because that Luella region, they didn't choose to play a region tournament. So those kids had not played in a long time. And then they're swept away just like that. 
But Cedar Shoals was a, a strong team. Then they only lost by four points, 74-70 to Carver in the final four. But yeah, I was I was surprised because Luella was my pick to win it all. Just their size inside and they had quality guard play. And that's a team that had been there before. Um, but that's why they call it February frenzy. Crazy stuff happens. And like I said, throw my rankings and my countless hours of trying to do the rankings, throw it out the window because it means nothing once that bracket's filled out. Yeah, you speak of Region 8. Yeah, Jefferson loses one point to Carver Columbus, the eventual state champs, what it was at the Elite Eight. Jefferson very easily could have won that game, and you would have had Cedar Shoals versus Jefferson in the Final Four from the same region. So and very controversy. good Controversy. That controversy with that Jefferson game, when I think they said Carver added an extra point to their, to their score, and Jefferson tried to appeal it, and yeah, I saw that. You know, nothing came of it. So I didn't even read into the story. I guess that's that's it. They added a point or took away a point. Um, but yeah, like right there, it's it's just it's madness. It's madness how things happen in the game. Sometimes you have to be lucky. Sometimes you are get unlucky or unfortunate for whatever whatever reason. But yeah, that could uh, really change the way that that state championship, that whole classification played out. How many picks did you get wrong overall on all your bracket predictions across the two side? Well, I don't have that off the top of my head. I know I, I hit 12 of 16 state championships. I felt bad. I went 7 of 8 on the girls. The only one I got wrong was uh, Calhoun County girls. They did beat Clinch County girls, but I got everything else right. And on the boys' side, I went like 5 for 8. But a couple I feel like were asterisks. Like Baldwin beat Fayette. I did have Baldwin number one because they were un, uh, undefeated. But Fayette County, you know, Caleb Banks, who is a you know first going to be a first team guy, he's a high major player. He got eight stitches, of, you know, above his eyes, so he only played three minutes in the first half. And you're taking away that X factor for your team. He only plays 19 minutes in the game. Um, but Fayette County did have opportunities to win that game. But that that was one I got wrong. Um, what else did I get wrong? The 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 Eagles landing game that was. That was crazy, just how breakneck of a pace they went back and forth against Tri-Cities, and they just shell-shocked them out of the jump. And I did not have that one. And then, of course, Cross Creek, 100 times out of 100, I'm picking Sandy Creek to beat Cross Creek because I'm, that's, I'm just sticking with that. Um, but, of course, I got that one wrong as well. So, And even I did get the uh, Towns County versus Hancock. I, I picked Hancock to win, but you know, you shoot two of 20 from the three point line in the first half, you think, okay, we're going to make some adjustments. No, our adjustments are shoot more threes and hope they go in. They finished <laughs> nine of 40 and Towns County just bludgeoned them inside. So that was kind of nice to see some old school throwback basketball, get Jake McTaggart the ball and let him just beat up people inside. So kudos to Towns County. They had a fantastic season. That's our mountain school right there. Towns yeah. County. Yeah. Like yeah, I'm glad you mentioned. I'm glad you mentioned Eagles Landing. Great, great year for them. I know they had some tough breaks over the past few years when they had a really good chance to win a state title. So uh, good for them for finally breaking through this year and getting back on top. Yeah, exercise those Sweet 16 demons. Like the last state championship was 2013, and since then they hadn't even got past the second round. And like you said, they had plenty of teams that were at bare minimum good enough to make it to the Elite Eight. And, you know, I picked him to lose in the second round against Forest Park because I said, fool me once. What is it? Fool me once. Shame on you. Fool me twice. Shame on me. And I, I've been fooled five years in a row. So I said, F it. I'm not doing it. But they, they were really good. I mean, David Thomas is a stud and A.J. Barnes is great. And they're going to be back and they're going to be really, really good again next year. No doubt. So now that the season's over, man, what are you doing? I know I saw you at some type of event recently. Mm -hmm. um, 
So are you just going to be at a bunch of showcase events and with AAU kicking up, is that going to dominate your schedule for the next few months? Yeah, there's no such thing as really an, an off day or uh, vacation time. Um, as you said, I was at the pro movement event. I support my guy, Jarrett Christian. He does some great work on the boys and girls side. So I was over there the day after and like, I, I forgot like, okay, I'm sleeping over and making the night before. And then I got to wake up early at, yeah, and that's when the, the time switch comes. So I'm really, instead, you know, I go on the radio with Sam Crenshaw on 99 The Game to wrap up everything. And that's usually at 640. But really, body clockwise, I had to wake up at 540 in the morning for that or 530 in the morning for that to go on the radio with him. Then I try to go back to sleep. And then I'm like, okay, now I got to drive over an hour to Clayton State to make sure I go support his event because I promised I would do that. So I was moving pretty slow uh the, the following morning as i always am but as far as what we got going on i've got my uh ctc create the culture i have a camp um march 21st uh that's going to be coming up right now a boys and girls camp so that's going to be an all-day affair i've been blowing it up trying to promote it on instagram twitter uh so that's going to be at alatoona high school on march 21st and from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m., we'll have girls going. And then from 4 p.m. to 8 p.m., we have boys. So should have a couple college coaches in the gym there just trying to give a, another opportunity for kids to be seen. They'll have to ride up on everybody I see. And we're supposed to have some live streaming services as well since we're not allowed to have any real you know, parents, spectators in the gym like that. Um, but through the uh, Off the Dribble Hype South Media Network, we're going to have some streaming. So that's what I'm going to be doing in the short term. And then, you know, the very next week, it's like, okay, travel ball has started. and I'm going to have to get cranking up with that. So I do have a – I might want to hit a little vacation somewhere in Florida coming up if I can sneak out a week. But I do know in June I am going to the Dominican Republic for an all-inclusive uh, resort trip with my friends and their parents. Oh. So I've never been, never, never been out of the country before. I do have a passport. I haven't flown. I've never flown since I've been an adult. Like the last time I've flown, I was maybe 13 years old. So wow. I don't even know what to do with baggage check. I'm really nervous about that. I got to carry on bags, checking bags. I don't know what that all means. What can I put in there? I don't know what's going to happen. So if we get landed and something happened, it's probably my fault. I'd probably put too much shampoo in my, my bag. And they, they, they kicked me off the plane. But that's going to be my relaxation time in June, I think. Oh, oh man, you better get used to that, man. You're going to be big time. One of these days, you're going to be the, the college basketball insider, number one guy on Twitter, and you're going to be traveling all over around the United States. So, man, you better get used to this stuff, man. Oh, man, you know, I'm a Georgia boy. I got to I gotta put on from a city out here. I love the state. <laughs> I, know, I don't man. know if I want to go national. I, I love my roots right here. And if I can continue to grow it with more and more events, you know, that makes everything that much more feasible to be able to do this long term. But, yeah, Georgia is always my number one no matter what. I don't see myself ever moving out of the state just because I have all this useless knowledge of all the mascots and teams and all the geography in the area, I feel like, oh my gosh, if I move states, like I'm hitting the reset button and I'm starting all I'm over. a nobody. I'm a nobody in a new state. So I think I, my roots are tied way too deep here in Georgia, right? Yeah, now. I don't blame you, man. I, if I was in your shoes, I'd want to stay here too. Next next time we have him on, and, and I mean, you're coming back. You got you got to come back again. But oh, yeah, we probably. need to we need to prepare a just a quiz. You know, just all these mascots, just like random facts of. You know, so who is, you know, Towns County, like, you know, or like, what's the county seat of this? Like, we need to just prepare like a... Iowa, is that the county seat? I know that's a city. Yeah, hit me with some mascots. Let me see. 
pull it up right now. Come on, Jake. Right now. Oh, geez. Okay. <laughs> no, I wasn't even prepared for this. Uh, Let's see here. Um, mascot or at least a city, maybe. I'm probably going to choke on the spot now. Oh, my God. <laughs> Randolph. Randolph Clay. Red Devils. Wow, that's a good one. That's where I went to Andrew College. That was that was Cuthbert, where I was. yeah. Good old Cuthbert, Cuthbert Georgia. Know, Andrew College. Mm. I don't I don't even have a submission right now. Um, Pierce County. Pierce County Bears, Blackshear, Georgia. Oh yeah. Well that yeah, that was recent though. Um hmm. Don't go all the way down these class A public schools. You're killing me. That's where it's gonna be tough. Oh gosh. Yeah, just Let's wait till see. we wait till we have something to we'll we'll do like a little I don't know if you watched the show. Growing up I watched Stump the Schwab on ESPN. Oh yeah, classic. Yeah, that's classic. That's yeah. classic. So yeah, so we'll we'll try to do some Stump the Seminole, Sandy. Seminole County. Seminole County Indians, Donaldsonville. I was down there when they played Reggie Perry, Thomasville early on back in the day when they had Jordan Harris went to UGA. Good team, good team. Lake Oconee Academy. Titans, oh yeah. Man, he knows it all, man. There's a... Greenville. Greenville. I want to say Patriots. I don't know if you're wrong or right. I have no idea. That's, that's, that's on the money. That's right, baby. That's right. Greenville. It sounded good. Yeah. Sounded yeah, it's nice. right. 100%. I get, it's right. Yeah. Kendrick. Kendrick. Uh, Lady Cherokees. Cherokees. Again, have no idea a way to prove I that. I think so. Pretty sure someone fact checked me here. Yeah, you, you sound one hundred percent. If somebody if somebody has it wrong, you know, just comment and comment on there, and, and then <laughs> send you can, more hate mail. Yeah, and then yeah. you and you can be the new Kyle Sandy. Like you, I don't know if you want to do this, but so how how much do you keep up with college basketball? I was talking to Jake. I was like, I don't think he does a whole lot of keeping up with college basketball. I mean, do you um, have time? I, I don't have time during the season. I don't because I'm just so hyper focused on my work and getting it done. Like I watched maybe one game for I'm a Virginia fan, but I saw them get beat by Gonzaga way back when. Like I think it's Gonzaga's supposed to win this year, right? They're undefeated. They're just yeah. crushing. They got all those big guys and just skilled and I've made five phenomenal. brackets and I've picked Gonzaga to win in all five. I can't. Yeah, I picked I the bracket and I I picked him to win too. I, I mean I, I, they have to, right? If not this year, win. Like Sandy Creek, if not this year, win. Exactly. So I'm glad you brought that up, man, because we're going to put you on the spot here. Yeah, we got a little surprise cooking. We're, we're going to fill out a bracket live on air right now. Oh, perfect. Yeah. All, all okay. three of us, we're going to put our great minds together and we're going to win us a couple million dollars, man. If you're interested in watching me, my producer, Jake Cantrell, and Kyle Sandy fill out a bracket on ESPN for the NCAA championships, click the link above or below or wherever we have it. If you're not interested in watching that, then just keep watching and we'll wrap this video up. All right, Kyle. Well, we really appreciate you coming back on for episode number seven. I mean, we wanted to recap the high school basketball season and there's no better guy to talk to. I think we're definitely going to talk to some individual coaches maybe next week, but we wanted to get you back on, kind of recap the whole thing, get your point of views because I guess you really haven't broke it down too much from your side after you've seen everything. So uh, really, really good insights, man. I'm glad, uh, glad everything worked out for you and, we got to have a, a season this year. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Good to put a nice little bow and a ribbon on a, a very uncertain season, but we were able to keep the ball bouncing and we were able to crown all our champions. So it was a good year. And, and if you haven't checked out Kyle's podcast, I mean, you're really you're really missing out on the premier Georgia high school 
you know, basketball information. I mean, you, you could be just like, I mean, we're filling out all this stuff or whatever. I mean, you could be the smartest person in the, in your water cooler, you know, next year when, when co- uh, high school basketball comes back around and you're like, Oh, I think so-and-so is going to, I mean, all you have to do is just listen to Kyle's podcast and, and or just and pull his website up for crying out, you know, for crying mm-hmm. out loud. Yeah. Sure, sure, a lot sure. of good things. There's going to be a lot of transfer lists, uh, cultivated yeah. over the ne- next three, four months. If you haven't already checked out his All-State teams, they'll be posted by the time you're listening to this. So go to sandyspiel.com and check those All-State teams out and get frustrated by him not picking you. This is <laughs> That's right. But don't cry to him. He doesn't have any time for that. And he's, he's not going to read the message like he's already oh, said. Oh, correct. I am not, I'm not interested. The season is over. Let me have my peace. I am not interested in going back and forth on – State rankings or all state teams. I'm sorry, everybody. The season's over. And what a crying shame that Kyle Sandy got booed as a judge during the Yo, contest. controversy. Yeah, I what? know. What? That, Tell us about this. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. I was fortunate enough to be a BSN uh, GHSA slam dunk contest judge. And when I was announced, there were a smattering of boos. Now, wow. I have I've spoken to people in the crowd. They, they There is a... a uh, a thought process out there that it was coaches that I do know that were my friends that possibly may have admitted that it was themselves booing me, but I haven't gotten it in complete stone, hundred uh, percent factual that they did that, but they did send me a, a, a gift like winking at me or something saying that I would never do that. And then they sent the gift saying that you know, it's, it's possible, but I think I have, weeded out the source of the uh the negative sounds in the stands and it will be addressed don't oh you man if you're brave enough to claim it if you're brave enough to be the one that said <laughs> i booed kyle sandy we we have an exclusive podcast episode just for you to come out here and and sort it out comment it comment who you were yeah bro. yeah yeah get in touch with us and and we will give you the exclusive episode to to let it know why you would do such a despicable thing we'll go we'll go full oprah right how, here how dare you yeah Kyle <laughs> oh boy it's just gonna be an hour of us booing you see how you feel about it yeah <laughs> all good part of being in the spotlight that's yeah. right well thank you so much for being on with us kyle for sure i yeah. mean both times it's, it's been a smash hit i feel like and, and i think this is gonna be good yeah we'll have to get you back on and we'll keep track of what you're doing this summer and we'll get you back on probably previewing next season because it'll be a while, it'll be a while but it'll it'll be here before we know. yeah we still want to we still want to know like what you do in the in the off season how do you how you relax what i mean do you go through withdrawals or whatever so i mean we'll, we'll have to get all those secrets no yeah problem. yeah i would i would love to figure that out too because i don't know what i do for downtime <laughs> either so if i figure it out i'll let you know all right sounds good all right man well we'll talk to you later all right i'll see you guys all thank see you man you too.